This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Vanessa and I had the most fantastic conversation with Betsy Brown Braun a local hero in Los Angeles, a national hero, frankly, who goes by BBB, you will see why people absolutely love her. Betsy has written several books, including Just Tell Me What to Say and You're Not the Boss of Me. But if you go turn the the clock back a bit further, she began as an educator and worked at schools across Los Angeles, public schools, private schools. She was the founding director of the Wilshire Boulevard Temple Early Childhood Center here in LA. She then became a mother of triplets and also a founder. She has a company called Parenting Pathways. And everything that she does really converges on caring for kids and families. She is one of the straightest shooters you will ever meet. And her advice is invaluable. What I love about our interview with Betsy is she just gives it. There's no BS. She's funny as hell. She's incredibly thoughtful and empathetic, but she's going to give it to you. And I think that's what we all need is really straight up advice. We know, we know you will all enjoy this incredible episode with Betsy. Betsy, we are beyond thrilled to have you here. You and I are long pals and colleagues. And I have just, I mean, respect doesn't even begin to describe what I feel towards the work you do. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the Puberty Podcast. Well, do I get to say ditto, ditto, ditto? (laughs) Betsy, you are so amazing and beloved that even all the way in New York, I know all about you. That says how much you are admired, appreciated, and loved. So yeah, you are a cross-country phenomena. Oh my gosh, I'm bi-coastal. Um, that's so sweet of you to say thanks. I I don't keep up on any of that. I just keep plodding ahead, trying to do what I know I can do. And it always feels good to hear that. So thanks. That is a wonderful way to toe into this conversation about plodding ahead and doing the best 
We can, because Betsy, you are generously here today to talk to us about the incredibly plotting and often frustrating topics of discipline, consequences, and the all-time favorite list topper, lying. Yep. I'm going to take a deep breath because it's like bringing up all of the familiar things. I like, Vanessa, how you did the the order of that list. It was not the instigator first, the lie. It was the discipline first on the list, then the consequences, and then the lie. So maybe we should take it in the order that these usually come, which is the lie first. Well, Betsy, weigh in here. Well, I'm going to go on a different route completely. And I'm going to say to you, the reason that you had that reaction, and I can see you and others can't, but that, oh, reaction (laughs) is because there are certain things that trigger certain parents for different reasons. And as we raise children, you know this so well, we each have a template in our brains that is based on how we were raised and what our parents did or didn't do. And there are certain triggers that result from that very thing. So if you had a parent who said, don't you lie to me, if you ever lie to me, you know, whatever. Honesty is the most important. And then you have that in your head and then your child lies. It's like, oh, you know, my mother's going to come down and smite me or something. I mean, I Betsy, I don't lie. Like I make it my life's work to hopefully never, ever, ever lie. And thank God I've never been in a position where for my own survival or my kid's survival, I've had to lie. But like, it's a value You would not do me. well. In that scenario, (laughs) I have no poker face either. It all shows up, but you're right. It is a real value to me. And so for other people who are maybe comfortable in the gray areas of truth telling, maybe it's less of a big deal. I don't know. But there is a developmental stage. There are actually many developmental stages through which kids proceed when they lie. And that is a big piece of being a kid is learning how to push those boundaries and telling those usually little white lies in the beginning. And so maybe we can start there, Betsy. Well, I'm sorry I took you away from the discipline piece, which is no, really no, no, important no. here. No, no, no. You go wherever you want to go, Betsy, and we will follow. Well, I uh, thank you. But I wanted to say the trigger piece because exactly as Cara just said, people react differently to different things and are triggered And our trigger really informs how we respond and our discipline response or not. Or this is all so intimately overlapping. So there's lots that we can say. I have some really good news, bad news for you. Okay. That is that. Break it to us. All people lie. Mm. Sorry, Vanessa. All people lie. I didn't say I never lie. I just I try understand. really, 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 really hard not to lie. Right. Well, I, listen, that is such a noble goal and wonderful to say to your kids and all of that. But the reality is we have to titrate. We have to hone your expectations for your kids. And I'm doing that by saying all kids lie. I mean, teen lying is more common than most adults realize. And teens lie more. In fact, there was a study called From Junior to Senior Pinocchio. (laughs) Such a great title, right? And it looked at lying behaviors in more than a thousand people aged six to 77. And the researchers found that the peak dishonesty age occurs in adolescence the peak. So kids lie more as teens and they also get away with it more. And parents are not often so good at recognizing it because they can't believe I've told you your whole life. Honesty is the most important thing. You cannot lie. Right. And yet we know, right. And we say this all the time on this podcast that there are all of these layers of things that are happening inside the body and the brain that tee kids up to lie you know, we always talk about their individuation, right? They're seeking independence, but really also they've got this very heightened risk reward system in their brain, the limbic system that is on fire pretty much all the time. And there is some thrill seeking involved sometimes in telling the lie, sometimes in 
what you get because you lie, right? So it's baked in essentially to this stage of life, right? Part and parcel. Yeah. And not only that, but there are three different kinds of lying that we see in teens, okay? We see your basic lying by avoidance. You know, it's it's steering parents away from the topics they don't want to talk about. They just don't want to go. So there's the avoidance thing. There's lying by omission. Mm, when yeah. It's just, they, yeah, I'm just not going to bother to tell you that. And then there's lying by commission. That's the most basic form of lying. And it's intentionally making statements or telling stories that are not true. So Betsy, that's like when I say to my kids, have you brushed your teeth? I was just going to say that. Right. And the answer smells so bad. (laughs) And the answer is yes. Yes, I have. By commission. Exactly. And that's just, I mean, really, you're still doing that. You look at them, you see the fur coming off the teeth. (laughs) You say you have a whiff, you go, you know, go back and use toothpaste. Why do we put our kids in a position to lie? Well, that's a good question. Why do we? Because we're tired. And we don't want to phrase it in the way we should phrase it, which is, hey, I'm not sure you've brushed your teeth yet, but if you haven't, you should definitely go upstairs and brush them, which takes 10 seconds longer and more patience. And then they still look at you and tell you they brushed their teeth. even when <laughs> they didn't. Like when my kids, I would ask if they washed with soap and they would smell their hands and then decide what their answer yeah. was. <laughs> oh my God, totally. Context clues. The point for us today is we're talking about tweens and teens, and they are too old for you to be sending them to brush their teeth. Let me just tell Mm -hmm. you that. Oh, yeah. Yes, they are. One of my favorite stories is when, you know, I have these triplets. So, okay. And when one of them first went away to college, or maybe it was after college, he wrote and he said, I have a cavity, or he called. He was horror stricken. I said, oh, too bad. <laughs> and he said, mom, do you know how much it costs to fill, to pay for a cavity? Uh-huh. I know. He always brushes his teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? right. I mean, at some point in our parenting, we need to let go and say to him, rather than go brush your teeth, I've got that smell today. I wonder if your friends are going to want to be near you. Or That's right. Whatever. That's right. So sometimes the lie gets dealt with in the social dynamic and not in the family dynamic. Correct. So in order to do something kids think they're not allowed to do, or that is dangerous to speak to the risk-seeking behavior, kids will lie because what's more important to them, because that frontal cortex is not at the point yet where he's saying, yeah, bad idea. I'm just going to do this because I can get away with it. They're going to do it. They're simply going to do it. Teens tweens believe their parents' rules are unfair. Absolutely. They think what they're doing is really harmless. It's not a big deal. And I'm talking about when that one, the brush your teeth or not, but yeah, did you really go there last night or whatever? It's something they do to protect other people's feelings. Sometimes they are really protecting their friends, sometimes their siblings, which has actually got a beautiful aspect to it. Mm. They want to establish their independence and their autonomy. And they're going to do it their way. They want to avoid getting in trouble. They want to avoid embarrassment. They want to protect or defend their friends. This is really an important one. And I more than most people realize they want to cover up their emotions. And a teen may not be totally forthcoming about how they feel about things because they're uncomfortable with their emotions or embarrassed by them or don't want you to know. So Betsy, let's spend a little time with those latter examples, because those are the ones that get really tricky. And I want to go back to the ones. So you had lying because they don't want to talk about emotional stuff that's hard. You had lying to protect friends, right? Because it's, you know, your friends first. And then you have lying because they think what they're doing is not a big deal, but they know that you think it is unsafe, concerning, worrying, whatever. Or it's against the rules. Or it's illegal, or it's against the rules, or it's Or you'll be disappointed in them. Right. So let's start with the one that has to do with safety. Let's start with the one that's like, I know you told me, you know, kid lies about 
drinking, vaping, smoking weed, getting in a car with someone they shouldn't get. I mean, somebody choose a a favorite example and then we can roll with it. No, mom, I don't vape. You know that I don't vape. I've never tried it. I never will. What do you think? I'm stupid. There you go. Bingo. Okay. And yet you go into their coat pocket and there are eight, you know, strawberry flavored vapes in the coat pocket. They're not theirs, of course. So they're tell not me mine. why. No, not there. <laughs> Holding it for someone else. So you tell me, why do you think they didn't come clean with that? Right. So this is to safety, right? So there's that aspect, which is that the parent is pretty sure this is unsafe. The kid is pretty sure it's more benign not than okay. the parent thinks, right? And so it's not that the kid thinks it's safe. Kids are really knowledgeable about the addictiveness of nicotine, but they really don't think based upon the data they're collecting on a daily basis, watching all the people around them who are vaping, who are really not having all the problems that the parents are freaking out about, they're pretty sure that the data is being over-exaggerated and the safety issues aren't exactly what the parents are saying. So they're going to spare their parents the safety concerns by not sharing it. That's number one. And they are invulnerable. Mm-hmm. Correct. Remember, teens have this very warped view of it's not going to happen to me. That's right. I watched right. my neighbor's child in my office here. I can look over and see my neighbor's roof. And one day I watched her 13-year-old son jumping from the roof into the pool. Oh my God. Yeah. I had a neighbor whose kid jumped from the roof into the pool. That's crazy, Betsy, because we don't live in the same neighborhood. Oh, but clearly <laughs> we've got teens are crazy. So <laughs> I actually said to his mom, I'm really sorry it's none of my business, but if this were my kid, I would want to know. Yeah. Okay. The kid did not speak to me. I think the first time he's now 30 something, <laughs> but that's safety. And right. I, I'm quite sure that his mom, he said to his mom, no, I don't do that. She's wrong or whatever. Why? He's invulnerable. He doesn't believe he's going to get hurt. No, right. I'm going to be fine. That's a really important part of this. It's a huge piece of it. And let's say said parent realizes, like your neighbor, thanks to another adult, that their kid is lying, right? And they want to address it because God forbid they jump and things don't land so well. How do we handle that, Betsy? What's the response to that? Well, I can tell you that, but I first want to say this. This has to do... He's terrified he's going to get the shit kicked out of him or something bad is going to happen or he'll be grounded for the rest of his yep, life right. or he'll never get to swim again or something. Right. 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 So it's going to be hard if you ask him to pull teeth. This is not going to be tooth extraction. So you're not going to say, again, we're not putting him in a position to lie. Yeah. You're not going to say, were you jumping off the roof in the pool? He's going to say no. Rather, you're going to say, you know, it was reported to me by a neighbor who watched you that you were jumping from the roof into the pool and then see what happens. Now, by the way, this is going to get us into our discipline conversation, mm-hmm. which we can talk about, but it depends on the kid. It depends on his relationship with you, but it has to do with his feeling. This is about setting up trust and communication from age two until forever. And what complicates this a little bit is that there are going to be times where the kid's version of the story is actually more correct than the reporter's version. Sure. There are going to be times where the kid's version is not more accurate. And wading through that as the parent or guardian is very tricky, right? Especially as your kids get older, they become more compelling individuals. You like them more as people, right? You connect with them. They're they're more grown up. They feel like... There, you can hang with them until they do something that it just blows your mind. And so you sit there and I have found myself, we talk about this on the podcast a lot. I have found myself over and over and over again, hearing one of my kids' versions of the story and being so sure I'm getting the unadulterated truth until I realize a while later that that, you know, the truth is somewhere between what they described and what everyone else saw. And it's all smoke and mirrors. Like they they become old enough, mature enough, savvy enough to give you enough of what they think you want to hear without actually divulging aspects that they don't want to tell you. And they're like, here, I'll throw you a bone. Right. So help us. So step one is help us help parents decode 
fact from fiction. That's step one. And step two, let's move into the discipline piece and figure out how do you begin to put up guardrails around situations that involve lying? And can I just ask a question, Betsy, for you? Does it matter? Like, ultimately, do we have to be able to parse fact from fiction at a certain point? Or are we never going to get there, really? And it doesn't actually matter if we do. I'm waiting for my daughter's daughter to be in high school because I know something that my daughter lied to me about that happened when she was in 12th grade. And I'm going to give it back to her when she complains to me that her daughter has lied about something. That's so awesome. You're playing so, a long game, Betsy. I respect I am. Oh, but I have a long memory. And I don't know if she's going to listen to this podcast. So, oh, I don't want to tip my hand. No, don't give anything up. We're going to let you say very, very clear on that. I'll tell you offline. So in answer to all of the things you said, I want to say, respond to Vanessa first, because you may not get the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. You may not. And you have to be okay with that. You have to get enough so that your child feels like he's given something and he is getting the message of your disapproval or your disappointment or whatever it is. There are going to be times when you won't get the whole story. We say that to kids when they're little, which speaks to the guardrails point, Cara, which is this. You've been putting up guardrails since you put it up on the, from the crib to the bed. They're yeah. already there. Their frontal cortex, their need is getting in the way of those guardrails. The guardrails come because they have internalized the regulating machine, which is mom and dad. We internalize that starting from when they're little. If they didn't know it wasn't okay, there wouldn't be guardrails. There are guardrails. That's how they know it's not okay. Right. It is your job to reiterate, to let them know bad choice. I'm awfully glad you didn't get hurt. That could have been, you and I both know that you're a lucky guy because point in fact, that could have been laced with whatever, you know, but we're used to parenting our kids from three to 10 and we discipline, we respond, our expectations, they really are different from 11, 12 on up. And we parent, we discipline in response to who they are and who their growing brains are making them be. It is we who have to change. They will not. This is so important. The kids who do not feel that their head is going to be bitten off, that their parents won't be yelling at, and another thing, and how do you, with the finger and they're wagging all that. The kids who aren't accustomed to that are liable to tell more of the truth than the kids who think, oh God, there she goes, blowing it off again. Now here's my, I'll just get, I'm a self-basting turkey. Here, take my phone. It's all right. Lock my door, you know. And that's really important to remember. We need to think about, so you say, what is the discipline? Discipline is a word that doesn't mean punish. Mm. It doesn't mean hurt, make feel bad, shame, make cry, whatever. Discipline is from the Latin root word, the infinitive of which is to teach, to learn. What discipline were you in in college? Oh, he's a disciple of that guy. It's about learning. We're not trying to make our kids feel bad. Mm. Trying to get them to learn. And what are they learning? They're learning the cause and effect. Very basic. You choose to do this, this consequence will happen. Parents are overusing the word consequence because kids will now say, well, tell me what the consequence is and I'll decide if I'm going to do it or not. (laughs) We, we use it all too much. They become immune to it. But the word consequence has that little S-E-Q in the middle, consequence, which means follow consequentially. So the way we respond, that discipline needs to be in response to what the behavior was or misbehavior and who the kid is. So I want to tell you something. I had a parent last night at a group. I have way too many groups, as you know. And um, this is a group of parents whose kids are seventh graders, essentially, most of them. And this kid, the mother was beside herself because a school called to report that a teacher had witnessed her kid flipping off another kid. I'm hearing this. I'm thinking, yeah, 
What's but the big deal? Right. <laughs> but this mother, who is very much pearls and a Peter Pan collar, and it raised traditionally, and a fabulous mom, she didn't know what to do. And she said, this is not me. This, How could my child? All right. So, But what I said to her was, finally, the end, he doesn't need a consequence for this because there are bigger hills to die on. If you listen to enough of our episodes, you'll hear us preach the importance of air, particularly down there. Airing out body parts reduces sweatiness, stinkiness, and skin irritation. And it feels amazing to air it all out after a long day in tight, sweaty clothes. Which is why we created the Oom Short. Super soft, lightweight, with wide legs and a low crotch. All help air flow. Designed for all genders, in all sizes, literally down to kids extra small and up to men's extra large. Everyone who wears them tells us they've never been so comfy. Get your shorts at myoomla.com. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, magnesium breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, magnesium breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors ready-to-eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never-frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. 
You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. So I want to dive into that, Betsy, because parents caring for kids of all ages are exhausted by the role they play, right? Putting up guardrails and maintaining those guardrails and being consistent is a really tiring job. And we know... If it was easy, none of us would actually get to do the work that we do, right? It needs consistency. We need support. We need community. We need all of those things. And the fear is either I keep doing this and it's not having any impact. So why the hell do I keep doing it? Or does this really need something? Can I just let this one go? And like, how do we figure out when it's time to kind of not really care about your kid flipping off another kid in the hallway at school, even though you're embarrassed that the school called you? And when is it time to say, hey, there is a consequence to what happened? How do we figure out when to make those choices? Well, first of all, if there were an answer to that question, we'd all be doing it. (laughs) Right? There is no one size fits all answer to any of this. It very much depends, first of all, on you. Second of all, on your child. Third of all, on your relationship with your child. There is no one answer. And parents ask me all the time, just, you know, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to say. So there isn't a one size fits all. But the thing with this lady last night that I, this mommy, that I wanted her to understand is he has already experienced the consequence. Just the fact, this is actually going to be a twofer for you because he experienced the consequence because the school called his mom. His mom talked to him. She was upset. That's consequence enough. But she can take this experience. I think he learned a lot. What is the lesson he learned? You're going to flip someone off. Don't do it at school. Don't do it when the teacher is watching. That's a good lesson. It's a life lesson. Although it's an important thing to contextualize how the kid responds to those consequences. So if he comes home and he is clearly impacted by just those first couple of steps, he has felt the consequences. He has borne the brunt. But there are some kids, we all know, who, whether it's real or not, they just, it all rolls off them. They don't care. That that doesn't well, matter. That's to what me. you think, Cara, but here's the thing of it. Well, this is where I want to get to. How do you know? How do you know if you've got a kid who truly doesn't care and really does need a different set of, con- there has to be something to give them the feedback versus if you have a kid who's constitutionally wired to let things roll, but it's going inside. Yeah. First of all, when a kid says to you, I don't care. They care. I don't care means I care. Mm -hmm. Let's be clear about that. Second of all, just because you're not seeing the reaction, it doesn't mean it didn't get in. That's right. And so how do you know if it got in? You pay attention. You look at what else is going on. You may need to up your response. Like when they start to unload the dishwasher without being asked, (laughs) you're like, oh, maybe they did hear me in my reaction. Right. And your rant to the fact that he doesn't do a fucking thing in the house all day (laughs) or whatever else. So I love it, Betsy. It's usually me. So it's great. Um, So how do we know? We don't know. But you said something interesting, Carl. It's that we don't necessarily want to, we do want to discipline them. We want to teach them, but we don't want to punish them, but we do want to give them feedback. Yeah. So feedback works. Kids take it in. But if you have that kid, because I have a whole thing that I was writing about, about compulsive lying. Mm. If you have a compulsive liar on your hand, who's constantly lying and your responses to his lying are not working, then you have a bigger problem than your kid is compulsively lying. Lying in itself is not a problem. And usually the teaching, the feedback that we call discipline, usually works. 
the mistake that I think parents of teens make is they want to, just like parents of little kids, I'm going to take your phone away. No, they don't say with phone. They say, I'm going to take your passy away. But we don't have to take something away in order for a child to feel it. But we want a child to feel what we're talking about. Yeah. And I think the other side of the coin that becomes problematic, which I know you see all the time in your practice and your groups, are the parents who are so aware of what other people are seeing and thinking that they want to rewrite the narrative as it's happening. They don't want to have the bad kid. They don't want to have the liar. They don't want to have the... So they're so busy trying to re-narrate the experience that they lose sight of the fact that there is a child involved who needs that, as you said, teaching, that discipline, that because those are the life skills. So the kids I see who really struggle by middle and certainly by high school are almost entirely the kids whose parents have really struggled with and, and often own that narrative, that sort of more public side of what because other that's people her trigger. Think. Because yes. that's her trigger. Yes. Why do you care so much what people think? That's right. That is a mistake. We care more about what others are going to say to us. Yes. They get embarrassed. Then we care about what's right for our kids. We are raising an adult here. Yeah. And those kids struggle. They really do. I mean, I think, you know, if I had to pick one trait that I see or one sort of feature of a parent-child dynamic that I see, which where I could say several years from now, mm, you know, there, there may be some risk there. That feels to me like a big one, a predictive one to me. I feel like there's two camps of parents. There are the parents who are like, oh, never my child. And then there are parents who are like, oh, always my child. Like, it's like either way, they're not allowing for that right. big soupy the gray fluidity. area. Yes, the fluidity. Right. Children are different, but it goes back to this. The things that kids lie about, typically, the things they spend their money on, who their friends are, drinking and substance abuse, what activities they do or didn't do, whether a party is supervised or not, having romantic relationships and what they did with those, if their homework is done. Oh, my God. And screens, were you what in they my, watch on a screen. Yeah. Were you in my house this week? <laughs> Maybe. But those are pretty typical things that kids lie about. Very. So I want to get into the friends thing because this comes up a lot. We hear from our listeners all the time who are struggling with the nature of their kids' interpersonal relationships and how their kids talk about friends, romantic relationships, and what role parents play in that dynamic, particularly when there's lying going on, where there are concerns that they're not hearing the whole truth. First of all, what is driving kids to lie about their friends or their kind of like romantic partners? I know they don't use the term romantic. You actually know the answer to this because we know they have already internalized your feeling about it. So because that is in there, there is a little voice that's saying, this is probably not something my mother will like. I'll lie about it. Mm -hmm. Because he thinks you won't permit it. He thinks you'll disapprove of it. Depending upon how punitive you've been, he thinks you're going to cut off his leg or you know, <laughs> whatever it is, put him in a chastity belt or you know what, whatever craziness there is. So that's why they lie about it. The why of it is very easy. So how do we express our concern? Like if we have valid concerns, how do we express those concerns about a, a given kid or group of kids or whatever without pushing them into the corner where they're going to end up lying to us? Well, here's the thing of it. You have to be exceptionally careful with your judgments. And it is very easy to say to a child, I don't want you hanging with that guy. That kid's an ass. His mother is horrible. You know, she's doing little, all that sort of stuff. Because that's just going to drive him and his immature brain and his desire to do the risky stuff. Because that mom, we go to her house and she provides the alcohol. She has vapes and little traces, ashtrays around the house, whatever. He wants to do that. But as long as he has that voice inside of him, and now we're back to the safety thing again, what we're going to do is have more faith in him. I know this sounds corny. By the way, you don't ever give up and say, I don't care or do what you want or, you know, you have to always take a stand. You have to let that stand be known. I do not approve of drinking. And you know that I do not approve of breaking the law. 
And I'm very clear about that. I'm saying that for iBetsy and I'm saying that for any other parent out there. And I wouldn't stop saying it. Parents ask me, why don't you just, but you know, it's safer to do it in someone's house than in a car. I said, I don't care. It's against the law. Why are you modeling breaking the law? Why are you saying that's okay? And it's not. And it's not. Right. But so I would say to a kid, you know how I feel about this. But not about the kid, about the issue that comes up. Correct. That's right. I love this kid. I don't love the decisions she's making. You know, it's the separating the behavior from the person. Right. And it's not about you. And your love is there. You threw a baseball through the window. I would still love you, but I would be incredibly disappointed and upset. Now, it also goes like this. I mean, all of us with teenagers, it should be out there that, listen, we know not I've been a teenager. I've been there because they just think of farting in the wind. What is that? So, but rather to say, you are going to have trouble with some decisions. I get that. And I know it not because I'm so smart or I've been there, but I know about brains and you do too. Because I know that it is highly unlikely that you will always make the best decision. I am not moving. I am here. I am your backboard, your backstand, whatever we call that. You know what I'm trying to say? Headboard? No, you know. Backstop. Backstop. Great. Okay. Your headboard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here and I am never going to say it's okay. I'm not that mom. Now that may drive a kid to lie or to sneak, but you're never going to approve of it. Can I share a, a story? In my youth, my mom, when she didn't like someone, would call them that and then whatever their name. She was not subtle, right? Vanessa would be that Vanessa. And wait a minute. I know your mom, so. <laughs> I love my mom, but my mom had opinions. She wore wait, them on her am sleeve. I, does she refer to me as that Vanessa? No, 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 no. <laughs> she would, first of all, she would never refer to you as that Vanessa because she would have loved you. I'm going to call Liz right now. I'm very If you had showed up in my house with blue eyeshadow on, she would have called you that Vanessa, right? Right. Because that was predictive of all these other bad choices you were going to make. It was very interesting science that happened in my house. But you knew it, Cara. (laughs) I knew it. It was internalized. I I knew it and I understood it. And I also, my mom and I laugh about this now. I also understood which of the metrics she was using were accurate and which were not. Like Mm. wearing blue eyeshadow was actually not a great indicator of bad choices with their body otherwise. Except her mother <laughs> said to her, that little slut, yes. only the sluts put on eyeshadow. Right. So there's this, right. Whereas, whereas there were other things that kids would do where it was like, mm, yeah, my mom's right. That kid, mm, maybe not a great idea. Right. So now flash forward. And as I've been raising teenagers, it's very much a part of my history it's a piece of my history that I want to rewrite with my kids. I don't want to ever call anyone that. And what we have found, and it has really worked very, very well, is to do the kind of yes, no, yes model when it comes to kids. So yes, I really think this kid has a particularly great characteristic in that he or she does this. Like their sense of humor is amazing. They're so polite. They're whatever. No, I don't love their decisions around this. And this is why sometimes when you ask to go out with them, I hesitate. But yes, maybe we can come up with a solution. And that's such a like a business strategy that in it applies to parenting teenagers in a really nice way. And your kids haven't figured it out yet because they're really good at calling bullshit. They haven't like they haven't caught on. My kids will be on a podcast in 30 years going, okay, my mom did this yes, no, yes thing. <laughs> Let me tell you. The reason I like what you said, Cara, is that it was very respectful. And that's the thing is we forget to respect our kids. And what I mean by that is in our communication, which is where I wanted to get to eventually with this, how do we, how do we deal with so much lying or how, you know, or the discipline or whatever. It has to do with our relationship with our kids and our communication. And do we make them feel like they're this big when we talk to them? Listen, my kid, one of my other kids in seventh grade, I was out, I came home and I found all these spent matches in the trash. I didn't smoke. I don't have matches. And I said to my kid, what's the deal? And he said, oh yeah, that's Alex. Alex likes to play with matches. I said, okay, I get that, but not in my house. I wasn't home. I don't want to fire. You want to play with Alex, do it on your own time. But I don't feel like he's a safe person. That's as much as I said about Alex. 
I could tell you what Alex is up to right now, by the way, as a 45-year-old man. Not so good. But my kids knew very well who I approved of and who I didn't. But I never said, I don't want you hanging with that guy. Because the more you say that to a teenager, the more he's going to hang. They go running into their arms, right? I mean. So you're better off to say, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel like I trust this kid. I have to trust you and your ability to make a decision that's not going to put you in jeopardy. Do I want that kid in my house? Not particularly. Do I want you to go to his house? Not particularly. But you're too old for me to say, don't be friends with him. Right. And you will be amazed at how your kids will hear you. This whole conversation applies to dating as well. Let's just say. Oh, 100%. (laughs) They'll marry them if you tell them you can't immediately. So just don't say it. All right, Betsy, I want to talk about the last category that you brought up, which I found very compelling around the issue of lying about emotions and kind of, I don't want to label it. Maybe let's label it the I'm fine syndrome, right? Everything's fine because then there's kind of nowhere to go with I'm fine. I once asked my oldest kid, when you come home from school, why do you always tell me it was fine? And he said, because there's no follow-up. If I say good, there's follow-up. And if I say bad, there's follow-up. But fine I is love like, this kid. I know. He's, he's so very emo- He's very emotionally intelligent. Very. So the kid who you're like, there is something going on here. And they're telling me one thing, but I, my spidey sense is telling me there's something else going on. How do we get it? And I don't want to call that lying because it, it's, it's like a different kind of cover-up. Where do we go with that? Not even lying. You're talking about that there are some kids who just run off. You hear everything and more. I used to say to parents, you want to find out what's going on in school? Call the mom of Chatty Cat because you're never going to find out. There are even boys who share a lot. Yeah. But more typically, there are boys who do not. I am concerned about it if my spidey senses something's going on. I'm concerned if I see an irritability that I've never seen before, if I see a child who's quicker to anger, if I, you know, you know, the standard things, if eating has changed, if sleeping has changed, if the cave behaviors are increasing, you pay attention to what else is going on. And if your spidey sense is telling you something is there, but your child doesn't talk to you, You know, there are four things you can't make another person do. You know this. Eat, sleep, poop, or talk. Can't make somebody do any of those things. Talk is a big one. You can't force a child to talk. But you can put him in a position that he might be more willing to talk. And that is by spending more time not drilling him or not judging or not, but just hanging. It's hard to do because they don't want to hang with you. But believe me, watching old episodes of SNL is killer for kids. You know, doing things where you're taking pleasure together, where you're not really talking at him, where you're not lecturing, or even when you share with him, something happened today. I'm I'm sorry, I'm distracted. I had something that happened today. It's really bugging me. My friend Barbara, she said something to me and it really made me worried and made me upset and I've been so distracted. Just sharing that much where you kind of open the door for him to share with you. That may not work at all. The second thing is there might be someone in whom he would confide that isn't you and isn't dad. Maybe it's his older cousin. Maybe it's your best friend. But you want to find someone whom he says, yeah, I really like her and make sure that He's spending a little bit more time with her. But saying to a kid, I'm worried about you, something is going on. It's not your best way to go, but you may have to say this. Listen, I have a mom spidey sense, as you said, and I love you to the moon. And I'm concerned that there's something that's going on. Clearly, you don't want to share with me. Is it something you feel like you want to talk about with someone? That's about as far as you can go because you've got a kid who says, no, I'm fine. Now, sometimes they work it out themselves, amazingly, but your kids have this posse of friends. Believe it or not, they're also 15, but sometimes they're tremendously helpful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that friend 
will say to their mom, my friend Matt said da 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 da. There are lots of ways that things can come out. And it feels to me like when something has passed and they've worked it out on their own, there's also a very big invitation sitting there for you as a parent to say, you know, last week when you were in your room and in the cave and I, I was a little worried and it feels like everything's better now. I'd love to hear what was going on because I feel like what that does is that doesn't just tell, it shows your kid that you're paying attention and they may not tell you in the moment, but they'll clock that you asked. And if you do that enough times where you're aware of what's going on in their internal world without living in their internal world, it feels to me like, at least in my house, as the quiet veil began to lift on my son as he got older and was sort of making his way out through the other end of puberty, he had heard those things. And he is now much better about starting conversations. I think partially because we just left all these things hanging over the years that he didn't really respond to in the moment, but we just kept doing it. They do stop lying quite so much, most of them, and they do start talking. And that's a gift. But I can't reiterate enough when we're back to lying. And I have one more thing to say about the communication, but about responses to misbehaviors and lying. Do not be quick to want to punish to send a consequence because that is only going to, that's going to encourage more lying. So saying to your son, you know, want to share with you or so that it seems like that worked out for you. You also, I think it's important to say to our kids casually at an unelevated moment, which is the only time you can talk to a kid, never when there's elevation. You know, here's something that I've learned, take it or leave it. When something is bothering me, I share my load because a weight is not as heavy when you share it. And you don't have to share it with me. You don't share it with your dad. But if you share with your friends, if you share with someone this thing that is bothering you so much that you're not eating, it will feel better. And especially in this time when we have so many kids with mental health problems who are sadly, as we talked about before we began, ending with end of life problems, ending life problems, we must make sure our kids know people want to help. They want to hear there is an answer. There is someone, and it doesn't have to be your mom or your dad. It could be your coach. It could be your school counselor. It could be anything. So I wanted to get that in because I think it's critically important. If we're not going to punish, right? If we're sort of creating boundaries, but not looking to always punish, what are we looking to do? What, how do we hold that boundary? Well, remember, you have to be careful about your boundaries. You can't make it. If you do this, this is going to happen. We do right. that when they are seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 10, 11 even. If you don't turn off your iPhone when you, or your iPad, you have a hard time turning it off, you won't be turning it on again. Clear consequences. A consequence always has to happen in response to the misbehavior, and it has to make sense to the kid. It cannot be illogical. It right. has to make sense. So, And the same really holds true that, look, it, I told you to come home. You know we have a curfew rule. I told you 11 o'clock was it. He rolls in at 10 after. You're not going to buy this head off. You're going to say the next day, I want you to know it didn't go unnoticed. You flew in. I like, I like that. It didn't go unnoticed. I really appreciate that language. You flew in 10 minutes late. I want to be clear. My curfew is 11. And if you're going to be 10 minutes late because of whatever, I expect a text about it. Otherwise, you and I will sit down and rethink your curfew. Two hours late. How do we handle that one? All right, this is a problem for us. So, buddy, first of all, he comes in. The first thing you always have your kids do when they're teenagers, when they come home. Kiss you goodnight. Yes. Oh, the smell check. Smell check. 100%. Just give me a smooch right on the lippies. <laughs> My mom was like, three Coronas, two Parliaments, and a breath mint. <laughs> Parliaments. <laughs> My God. Isn't that crazy? Never would that happen. No. He rolls in two hours late. And you, first of all, we've all developed the stink eye, correct? 
We all have a stink eye. This is a podcast. Vanessa, you have one. We're filming so, though, Betsy. We can get all of us doing our stink eye. Our stink eye. <laughs> a stink eye says, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> and the trick about a stink eye, let me be clear. You don't use it a lot. You save it when it stinks. Keep your powder and, dry. <laughs> and you hold it for a count of five. Five is a long time. And you hold it. And then you say, We'll talk in the morning. Oh, that's just cold. It's cold, but honestly, there's a lot to be said by letting him stew a little bit. Yes. And then you don't wake him up at five or six. You wait till he rolls on in at 12 on Saturday. And morning. How are you? You want some eggs? Okay. We've got something on the plate to talk about. This happened. I want to hear what you have to say. And for the parent who might have had something else to do that morning, cancel it and happen to show up in the kitchen when your 100%. kid's awake. Yeah. You just happen to be there. Prioritize. Mm -hmm. When I hear parents say, but I've got to go to work. I say, well, yeah, you might have to go to work. This is more important. This is work too. It's just harder. <laughs> it's just unpaid. And just yes. Cara, as you referred before, we want to hear what they have to say. Yep. Maybe it was a legitimate reason. I don't know what it could have been, but two hours is, mom, I'm having a problem. We're doing this, and I'm doing this. I will keep you posted. I think I'm going to be home by 1130. I will call you. Now, it doesn't mean it's okay, but it does mean that that's better than showing up two hours late. Yep. And you know, this generation of kids, they know that we can track their phones. Some parents have Life 360. Some use Find Friends. Some, right? There are all these Parker, apps. One of those things. Right? And I've become a firm believer in not relying upon those apps and instead saying to kids, I don't want to be tracking you. I'd like you to move out of my house and I'm not tracking you. So let's yep. stop that now. And you call me if something's going on because that opens the door to what is happening. I will also add that it's a personal pet peeve in the world of pediatrics that when kids are late and there was supposed to be a consequence and there's a safety issue and there was supposed to be a consequence and there's no consequence that time and there's no consequence the next time and there's no consequence the next time. And parents then say, I don't understand why he's so wild or he doesn't, right? And so it's very easy from the perspective of the, the clinician or the mental health care provider to see what sometimes when I'm wearing my parent hat, I can't always see the consequences, the learning, the guardrails are critical, but they only work if, if you, you use, use them. them. Yeah. So let's get back to the two hours late. So he's two hours late. The next day you're saying this and you say, I want to know the story. And if he doesn't have a legit excuse, like let's just say, mom, I lost track of the time. Or I was out with him and then his girlfriend broke up when he was crying. You could say, all right, I hear you loud and clear. But you made the choice to stay with your friend as opposed to abide by our limits and boundaries. And for that, there is a consequence. Do you want to think about what you think it should be? I'll think about, come back in an hour. We'll figure it out. Vanessa's kids always make really big consequences My for themselves. My kids go like all the way to Alaska with their consequences. Because <laughs> they know if I go to the most extreme, she's not going to go there. She's going to go somewhere less extreme. It's so funny. And one time I just want to be like, yeah, I think that's the right way to go. I think you should think be grounded for the next do two years. 20 years. <laughs> do it. But I think what you got to say to them, I mean, that's true how you put in any boundary. At this age, the boundaries are never without a conversation. Never. Correct. That's right. Because a child will not follow it if he has not had input, period. Betsy, we yeah. love you. We want you to come back. I want to come back. Will you come back? Do you have one closing set of words of wisdom for our listeners who I'm sure are hanging on your every single word? You know, the surest way to make life difficult for your child is to make it too easy for him. Oh, that's a beautiful, that is beautiful so deep. Line. I have chills. And I also would say this, do you love your child enough to allow him to be unhappy? Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts. 
or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myumla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com